now we're going to continue, actually complete, wrap up, conclude a series of messages that we've been involved in over the last few weeks about vision. And not the kind where, you know, you're sitting cross-legged on a mountain and your eyes roll back in your head and you have visions. Not that kind of thing. We're talking about God giving you as an individual, but more specifically in these days, as we, in this series, we're talking about how God has given us as a congregation a vision of where he wants to take us, more importantly, what he wants us to become. Mission is about what you do. Vision is about who you're becoming. And so we have, as a congregation, a deep desire to be people who are living on purpose, not just randomly meandering through life, responding uh, to the stuff that we get thrown at, or gets thrown at us uh, moment by moment or day by day. If you live like that, life becomes very chaotic and, and feels as though you know, there's no progress being made. That's not the way God intended life to be. It's not the way he intended churches to be. That we just, you know, do stuff because. And so we, as a congregation, return about every 18 months to, this, to these principles that we believe God has established as his desires for what we are to become. Because vision has a tendency to leak. It has a tendency to slip out of our hands. And so from time to time, we just need to reassert our grasp on those things that God has spoken over us. So we have uh, this passage of scripture from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, that we've been using as our anchor, where it says, Write the vision and make it plain, that he may run who reads it. God intends for us to be people who are in hot, hot pursuit of his plans and purposes for our lives. And we can't do that if we don't, aren't clear about what the vision is. And so we circle back from periodically to make sure that we, we have a clarity about those things. There's another verse of scripture we've been referring to and that it says that without a vision, people perish. Meaning that they drift. And it's like a ship that comes uh, loose from its moorings and whatever the winds and tides want to do with the ship that's where it goes you don't want to live that way we don't want to be that kind of a church we want to be people who have a vision and we do now this vision statement that we've been referring to over the last few weeks is not something that's sacred or or scripture in any way it's just a way that of uh, us being able to try to capture the sense of what of what God has spoken over us. We believe he wants us to be a comfortable place to seek, a dynamic place to worship, a caring place to heal, a solid place to grow. We talked about that last week and today we're going to conclude by talking about how we believe the Lord wants us to be a joyful place to serve and that those five descriptive terms, comfortable, dynamic, caring, solid, and joyful, are things that um, represent God's desires over us, his vision over us, his vision that he's given to us of what we, what he wants for us to become. And those, those words can be interpreted different ways, but we are involved in a study from the scriptures about what those words specifically mean for us. So, a joyful place to serve. And I've asked you to turn to John chapter 13. We're going to start reading at verse 1 to, to delve into this together. Verse 1, chapter 13, John. 
Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now this takes place on the night of Jesus' betrayal. This is uh, during the, what we call the Last Supper. Um, but if that, that first verse right there is so rich and so great that even though it really isn't a, a directly related to what we're going to be talking about this morning, I just need to pause here for a moment. Because the truth is, if I left you with this one verse today and we all just walked out of here right now, that would be enough. The one who considers you his own has loved you and he will love you to the end. That's good, huh? Goes on in verse 2, And supper being ended, the devil all, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So we know what's coming. And John is letting us know that's already happening. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and was going to God, did these things. Verse 4. He rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. Verse 5. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Skip down to verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garment and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Another way to say that last verse, verse 17, would be, if you know these things and you do these things, blessed are you. Now the Greek word that's translated as blessed here in my English translation of the Bible is a word that means joyful. Joyful are you. It means happy are you. It means fulfilled are you. It means satisfied are you. All of those things are captured in this one word. It's a big word. And it's something that all of us want. We want to be blessed. We want to be satisfied. We want to be joy-filled. We want to be fulfilled. We want those things. In fact, this morning, if we could all go out in the parking lot, get in our cars, and drive down to the mall area where uh, Barnes & Noble is, we could go in there and find literally uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of books titled something like 15 steps to your best lives, uh, life. Five uh, ways to uh, be, be blessed. You know, uh, here's the, the solution to fulfillment in life. Those kinds of things, right? We, we, they're, they're everywhere because it's universal, a universal desire uh, that, that we have to experience what the Bible calls blessing. And God wants that for us. The problem is most of us think about how we get there in a completely upside down way. 
Most of us, most of the world around us this morning is thinking, well, the way that I get to blessing is by getting to the point, arranging my life in such a way where people and institutions serve me. Or I am served. That's the, the, the epitome of blessing. And you've probably already figured out by now that that traveling that road really doesn't end at blessing does it Jesus was modeling something far different in fact in another place he said I didn't come to be served I came to serve and he tells us here that in serving one another in serving him and having a servant heart that's the path that leads to blessing. And he's very specific here. He says, if you do these things, excuse me, if you know these things and you do these things, blessed are you. Happy are you. So, all right. I could go to Barnes & Noble this morning and read about a thousand books that try to tell me some other way of getting there, but this is from the mouth of Jesus. If you know these things and you do these things, blessed are you. He's got my attention. So my next question is, okay, what are the things I need to know and what are the things I need to do? And he's very clear about that too. So let's talk about that not only for our own lives, but for how it plays itself out in the terms of our church life as well, okay? What are the things I need to know? Three things. Servants know. First, we find in, ch in chapter 13, verse 3, it says, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Jesus knew he had nothing to lose. The Father has unlimited resources and he's made it all available to the Son. And Jesus was modeling that for you and me because here's what happens. When somebody comes to me and they say these words, would you, or would you consider, or will you? You know, it starts off like that. When I hear that, would you, here's what happens with me. Because I know what's coming next is a demand on my time, my talent, or my treasure, or a combination of all of it. Because when somebody is asking me to do something or help with something, I'm gonna, I feel like I'm going to lose something if I say yes. But the reason that Jesus could get on his hands and knees and the master wash the feet of his disciples, the reason he could serve his heart out is because he knew something. He knew that the heavenly father's resources were his. The, the infinite supply of heaven's time, talent, and treasure was his. He had nothing to lose by serving. We don't have to be afraid to serve, dear ones. Now, I'm not making an argument for you to be a poor manager, manager of your life. All of us have limited resources of those things, and we, we can't do everything. We can't respond to every demand uh, uh, that people uh, make of us or every re even request that people make of us but here's what we don't want to be blessing is not at the end of the trail 
with the arms crossed over your chest and you're afraid of what you might lose. Blessing comes at the end of the path when you know that the, that the Father has everything you need and he's made it all available to you. The next thing that we see here about what Jesus knew, what servants know, is it says he knew that uh, he had come from God. He'd come from God. He knew there was nothing to prove. See, I, I've been around church long enough. I've observed people who feel like they have to prove that they are spiritual, that they're committed, that they love God by serving. They grit their teeth and they march their way into that nursery to serve those little brats because they're doggone it, they're committed to Jesus. Right? But that, that is not, <laughs> that's not the path that's going to lead to blessing. That's not the kind of serving that gets you there. It's polluted. I mean, there's a certain level of commitment being demonstrated by that. But you're, look, even the babies are going to recognize you don't want to be there. <laughs> so it's kind you know, that, that serving taints. That kind of serving taints what you do. And it won't lead to blessing. But the great thing is, we can know what Jesus knew. That God had sent him. God has sent me. I have come from God. His stamp of approval is on me. I don't have to prove to you that I am a believer. I don't have to prove to you that I'm dedicated. I don't have to prove, well, I am the pastor, but I don't have to prove to the pastor that I'm spiritual or committed. I, I have the approval of God. What else do we need? So my serving doesn't have to be chained or locked or, or um, frustrated by that, that sense of insecurity that says I, I, I've got to prove myself. The third thing that Jesus, that we're told that Jesus knew was that he was going to God. He had nothing to lose, nothing to prove. He also had nothing to earn. A lot of times in the Christian context, in a church context, people uh, serve because they're trying to earn favor with God. It doesn't work that way. There's no blessing at the end of that. I don't have to earn God's love for me. This, right now, this morning, you know this is true. There are people out there knocking on doors. There are people standing in front of donut shops with a little uh, table full of, of magazines that they wanted to give away, trying to earn their way to heaven. And they endure the, you know, the ridicule and all of that because they think it's gaining them points towards God's eternal favor on their life. You and I, as believers in Jesus who have come to faith in Christ and receive his saving grace, we don't have to earn a thing. I can't earn a thing. I have been given salvation. I'm going to God. That's a settled fact. Someday when I 
exit this world and they throw me in a hole and put dirt on me, I won't be there. Amen. I will be with my God for eternity. So I don't have to serve to prove that or to earn that, excuse me. I don't have to serve to earn his favor. When those things, Jesus wasn't kidding. He said, if you know these things, that God has given everything into your hands. You don't have to worry about losing anything in, this, in serving. That you have come from God. You already have his approval. You don't have to prove it to anybody. That you have nothing to, to earn because you're already going to be with him forever. It unleashes servanthood. And at the end of that road is blessing. He said not only do... is does blessing come when you know these things but when you do these things what are the things that Jesus did what are the things that servants do well, let's talk about that it says in verse 4 he rose from supper laid aside his garments took a towel and girded himself Jesus balanced receiving with giving now he's sitting there at the table this is the last supper remember and he's participating in that dinner with his disciples and he's receiving you know um, I was gonna make a joke I won't but <laughs> he's receiving and then all of a sudden he stands up dons the garments of a of a servant and begins to give if our lives are only about receiving, if our Christian life is only about receiving, and we don't balance that with giving, things get weird. Now, in the, in the initial stages of your life in Jesus, it's like you cannot get enough. You're there every time the doors are open and you're, you're at every uh, event and Bible study and you're just receiving, receiving. But it comes a point where you reach saturation. And if you don't begin to balance that with giving, here's what's going to happen. You're going to come to me one day and you're going to say, Randy, I'm just not, your sermons just aren't doing it for me anymore. And, and look, that's entirely possible that to be the case, okay? But often it's, you forgot the necessary part of having been a sponge that soaked up a lot. Now you've got to get wrung out so you can receive some more. When you start to serve, I'll tell you what'll happen. And, and even if it is marching into that nursery every, on a, you know, every other week on a Sunday or whatever, when you start to serve, what you're going to find out right away is how much more you need. Just that little bit of squeezing out is going to be, oh dear God, I need some more, right? <laughs> And that balance of giving and receiving is what makes a, a healthy life in Jesus and leads to blessing. Another thing that we see Jesus do is that he, um, it says he, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Why did he do that? Because it needed to be done. He was simply finding a need and filling it. Now, we don't have this in our culture. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no uh, basin full of water at our, Sue's and my uh, door when you come to our home. 
we're not going to expect you, you're going to wash your feet. But in those days, they traveled everywhere on foot, they wore open-toed shoes, no pavement, and so the minimal um, thing you're going to offer a guest at your home is someplace to wash their feet. Not to mention that pretty soon when you all recline at dinner, their feet might be in your face. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, you're going to do that. <coughs> but in this case, it hadn't been done. So, the master does it. Because it needs to be done. You know, a lot of times, Christians, in, in, in the context of serving in church, we have the idea that we need to make sure that we're serving out of our gifting, you know. Can I tell you that Jesus didn't have to take a spiritual gifts test to figure out that the feet need to be washed? <laughs> it just needs to be done. Um, I, years ago, I was, uh, I was the worship pastor in a church, so I was like a, Andrew up here a little while ago leading worship. So I was the guy that would, they, everybody would see every week with my guitar and, and all that. Yeah, I did. I played Anyway. <laughs> and so it was a big church and every once in a while, I don't know how often, once a month or so, we'd have these visitor gatherings where people would come and just hear, get to meet the pastors or the staff and hear a little bit about the church. And we were having one of those. And a guy stood up that I'd never seen before, and that's entirely possible in a large church where I wouldn't get to meet everybody. So I hadn't seen him, never laid eyes on him before. He stood up, and he and all of our pastor, pastoral staff was up on the platform. He directed this question to me. He said, um, I'm a musician, and uh, what I want to know is, am I going to be able to be a worship leader in this church? I actually laughed. I really tried not to. I really, honestly, I tried really hard not to, not to let it out, but I couldn't help it. I've never laid eyes on this guy before. How am I supposed to answer that question? What he was saying was, and I don't want to pass judgment on him, but I, he, what he was saying was, I need to know right now if I'm going to get to do what you do, because if not, I'm moving on, because I got to go where my gift will take me. I gotta do what I'm called to do. All right, th there's a lot that can be said about it, how important it is to discover how God has wired you up and the way he's gifted you and, and to begin to, to allow him to use you in that way, but it doesn't start there. It's amazing how when I just start doing like Jesus did, just doing what's needed to be done, my gifting shows up. You can't help it. If it's who God made you to be, that just starts to happen. You don't have to worry about, about that. So, Jesus did what needed to be done. The last thing says that he wiped their feet with the towel with which he was girded. I'm sure that Jesus did a really good job of washing those feet, but I don't care how good a job you do, you're going to get some of that leftovers on the towel when you dry them, and he's wearing the towel. So he is going to come away with some of their quote, quote, stuff, some of their dirt. Uh, can you just turn to the person next to you and say, 
Ah, you got stuff. Go ahead. Because you do. I do. All of us got some stuff. Things that are in process. God is working out. Dirt that he's cleaning up. Amen? And so when I have the opportunity to serve you, you know what? Oftentimes I'm going to walk away with some of your stuff. But the good thing is now you don't have as much anymore. Because it got on me. And so when, uh, Mark, when you're in the rainforest room over there and that irate mother comes in and wants to chew your fanny out, you're going to take some of that stuff with a smile on your face. And we're like the shock absorbers in the church. You know? And we're still standing. And what happens is that's part of our serving. That's part of our ministry. That person walks away with a little bit less of the stuff they came in with. And over time, as we serve each other, there's less and less and less of that. If you know these things and you do these things, blessed are you. This is recording number 11264 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, June 18, 2017. This is the fifth and final message in a series titled, Our Vision. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, A Joyful Place to Serve.